Welcome to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club Show, a podcast that will make you want to get outdoors and will give you some great ideas as a sport parent, athlete, or coach. Born in the beautiful mountain town of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, the Winter Sports Club was founded over a century ago and now serves well over 1,000 athletes per year and has produced more Winter Olympians than any other club in North America. There are secrets and great stories to share as we play year-round in these mountains we call home. Our calling is to develop complete athletes on and off the mountain by cultivating a passion for the outdoors and a love of sports at all levels. Stay tuned to hear from Olympians, athletes of all ages, coaches, experts, and people who are doing amazing things to make an impact in our community and in their sport. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former professional triathlete who finally discovered the joys of skiing in my late 40s when I moved to Steamboat Springs with my family. We immediately discovered the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club, and it's become a huge part of our lives as my husband, Tim DeBoom, is a ski and bike coach, and my daughter, Wilder, has found happiness, friendship, and joy through skiing, jumping, riding, and more. I am thrilled to bring the positive energy of the Winter Sports Club to people all over the world. Thanks for listening. Now let's get started. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. We have an awesome show to come. And the reason is that I'm sitting here across from the amazing Blair Seymour. She's the former youth programs director and the current sport development director. That sounds like a bigger job. (laughs) (laughs) She's been with the program for 30 years. And our goal today is to help you figure out what to do with your kids. Because there's a lot of questions that get asked every year when the uh, new program roster comes out. But before we get there, Blair, well, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love seeing you in business clothes. You can call what we're both wearing business Business clothes, because normally I see you in your other business clothes, because you're out on the trails coaching the kids. That's right. I'm either in my bike gear or my snow gear, so. I know. Parents always are surprised when they see me in regular clothes. They're like, wow, I didn't know what you really look like. (laughs) Not sure if that's good or bad, but you know. Well, it's really cool, because it kind of alludes to the fact that sports help bring different parts of our identity to the surface. And I think that's really a gift for so many people. Um, But before we dive in and really help parents figure out the technical stuff today, I would love to learn a little more about you. I want to know how you came to be so involved with Winter Sports Club for so many years. Well, I grew up in Minnesota and I actually was a competitive figure skater. I wasn't a skier, ski racer, or anything like that. So cross-country skied and I alpine skied for fun, but not competitively. Moved to um, Steamboat after college for, you know, my one-year stint that I was going to do. And now, 30 years later, I'm still here. So it's <laughs> kind of how it happens, I think. I think it is how it happens to so many people. So wait, figure skating. I mean, that is such a crazy sport. It's not only an incredibly, you know, tough physical sport. There's just a huge emotional part and a psychological part. I mean, 
every time you're watching the Olympics, you're like, I want to see the figure skaters. And then half the time you're like, I can't look. I know. It's it's also a judge sport, which is a whole different ballgame yeah. in, oh. in so many sports. You know, some ski sports are judged and some are just time and... It's interesting. You know, I I mean, we can go down this crazy rabbit hole, but I definitely have done some research on athletes who wear uniforms that that also are where their sport is also judged. Yeah. And in figure skating, those uniforms uh, don't leave a lot to the imagination. And that, that right, can really right. play with young athletes' minds. Oh, I can totally imagine that. Yeah. Did you go through any of that kind of? Not really. I was, you know, young and naive, I guess. And so I loved all the sparkle. Oh, that and that's what we want. <laughs> we want kids to feel young and naive until they're 50 or older, forever, or you older. Know? Yes. <laughs> we want we just want to be able to float through these things doing it for the pure joy and seeing how far we can get. So when you got to Steamboat, yes. and you said it was 1 year. Yeah. Okay, wait. You went to school in um in the Midwest. Went to University of Wisconsin, Madison. Yeah, yeah. that's a big school. Yeah, very big. That was kind of my goal. I Isn't wanted it to It's bigger than Steamboat. Yeah, no, way bigger than Steamboat. <laughs> and I just wanted I wanted that. I wanted that experience of a really big city. And so, I got it. Well, and then it sounds like when you came out of college, you didn't have like a very structured career path. Yes. As we call it. Yes. And um, so, I was like, you know, I'm going to take a gap year, which wasn't acceptable back then. But, you know, I just went to Glacier National Park for the summer and worked there and then came down to a ski town to ski for a season and then... A season turned into many seasons. Wow. So you were a pioneer even then. (laughs) You made the gap year a thing. There you go. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I can attest to the fact that Steamboat is just such a wonderful, wonderful place. I've been here for a couple years and, uh, you know, the fact that we're even doing this podcast is a testament to to the the beauty and joy that Steamboat has brought to me because I want to share it with everybody. Yes. So, um... After you, why why did you stay? Like, what kept you here? You know, first of all, what kept me here was I I feel like your first year here, you often pay your dues. You know, you get the grunt work, whatever job you're at. And and you're like, well, I might as well let those dues pay off. So I ended up staying for another year and then two years turned into more. And it just, then I found a husband and then I had some kids and so why move now (laughs) kept getting more involved in all kinds of sports industries here in Steamboat so yeah I mean it really has everything that's the it does have everything it has everything for people who want to enjoy explore and adventure outdoors Right. right and that's what I think I was looking forward to is my family growing up, we didn't do a lot of outdoor activities. You know, we did some cross-country skiing, but we we weren't adventurers that way. We didn't go on vacations that were adventurous like that, or we didn't, um, yeah, we just, we didn't do those activities. We never went camping or anything like that. And I was like, oh, I really want to, I'm passionate about this. I really want to experience some of these adventures and I want to raise kids in a town that I can, they can experience those adventures. So, you know, I find this so interesting because 
how do you develop and nurture an adventure mindset? How mm-hmm. did that happen for you? You didn't grow up that way. Like, yeah. what was it? Because this is important even for people mm-hmm. listening, parents listening who are like, oh, I want my kids to look at the world that way. Um, what was it for you? Did something click? Um, that is a good question. I or think, did you just not want to go home after college? Well, possibly, because then I might have had to get a real job. Um, I think... I think I always wished that we did some of those activities as kids that other families did. When we would go on trips, it would often be to a city for an event or something like that. But we never got to really do the outdoor stuff. I went to the Boundary Waters when I was younger with my dad and a couple girlfriends and their dads. And that was really fun. I think that's probably really what stemmed everything is going up north to the Boundary Waters and and canoeing and camping and and just being like, this is amazing. Just really being removed from any kind of city type life. Well, and how old were you? Mm, I was probably like 10 or 12. Yeah. I mean, so everyone listening, that is the age. That is the time. Magic age to get your kids. But you know what? You can do that even before that. You can, you can, but you know, I really think they'll remember and retain it and maybe appreciate it just a little bit more as they enter into those tween years. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Gosh. And I also love that you said, I might have to get a real job. Let me tell you something. You have a real job, (laughs) but the fact that you say it like that makes me think it doesn't feel like a real job. Exactly. It doesn't feel like a real job. And they get to play with kids all day long, you know, and that's, that's a gift. Yeah. Play. Wow. What a cool word. Um, You mentioned finding, stumbling upon a husband and then children appear. Yes, children <laughs> appeared. <laughs> Tell me about this little family unit. So, um, yeah, we had one child, Jet Seymour. He's now 23. And um, and the next one was double trouble. We ended up having twins, um, Chase and Trey Seymour. And both, all three are, were alpine ski racers in the club all the way through. They were also mountain bikers and soccer players. So they were all multi-sport athletes all the way growing up. And they didn't just alpine ski, they Nordic skied, they Nordic jumped, a lot of different activities. Well, and and they're very successful. Yeah, Chase and Trey are both D1 um, athletes, alpine skiers. One goes to University of Colorado, one goes to University of Denver. And um, Jet used to ski for University of Denver. He's now on the U.S. ski team and is a World Cup slalom skier. So yes, all three are... Um, Definitely have chosen their path and fought for it and worked hard. Well, and that's amazing. And that you're giving them 100% just ownership of this. But let me say, when they were six and they were eight and you were trying to figure out, geez, what program am I going to put them in in the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club? You know, that was you guiding them. And uh, apparently you did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because was, they love it. Yeah, still I mean, doing I think it. one of our one of the things that I think we did is my husband and I were on the same page with this. Is this is just what we do as a family? We ski on Sundays. We ride bikes on Sundays. And I remember talking to John, my husband, and saying when they were pre- probably three, three, and five going out on ski day, and I was like, "Wow, 
no one cried today. <laughs> that was amazing. Gold medal. <laughs> Took many years, but it, it, you know, you just have to persevere. And, and all kinds of weather was huge. Didn't matter if it was snowing or cold or windy or it was an adventure every time. Adventure. Yes. I love that. Wow. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, I've got to just, uh, you know, for who you are and, and how you've come to be here and why you're committing so much of your life to this amazing program. Um, can you just really quick differentiate? You said you were the youth programs director and now you're the sport development director. Um, am I correct in thinking that you have a more expansive role now? Yeah, I'll be working a little bit more with um, different discipline directors, um, working alongside Dave Stewart, the athletic director, um, helping bring best practices to all the disciplines, as well as um, community programs and community outreach programs, which is really exciting, too. Oh, so. my gosh. I know. And we're going to have like six episodes that come off of this one, because I have a <laughs> feeling there's a lot of topics we won't be able to hit in our timeline. Yeah. Um, okay. So clearly you manage the kids ski and mountain bike programs and the people who manage those programs now. Um, and as a newer parent in town, I want to just say there's a lot of options. Yes. I have a 10 year old, so I may sometimes today refer to my own personal, you know, uh, confusion or how I was trying to navigate the options. And our goal today in doing that, as I've mentioned, is to help parents weed through all of this craziness and figure out what's the right path for right. their kids. And so for the sake of seasonality, um, we're going to focus on snow sports today because that is currently what we are registering for. We're wrapping up the mountain bike and skateboarding and all the fun trampoline season. And uh, we'll save those discussions for springtime when we get to do this again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was thinking it might be cool if you kind of take me through a general sorting process. I don't know why I'm thinking of Harry Potter now and the sorting hat, but um, <laughs> uh, when, when somebody asks you this question, maybe you can kind of guide me um, through the thought process. So here's the question. What program should I sign my kid up for this winter? I think the first determining factor is age. That's, that's the easiest one. When you go up onto a registration site, only the programs that have your that are with your child's age will pop up. So that's helpful right there. You can decide right there what is available to you. And the younger they are, the less there is. Um, most of the time, it's just alpine skiing, um, some cross-country skiing, and some snowboarding at those younger ages. Okay, so they have really cute names like Rascals and Little toots Rascals and, and Little Toots. toots and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> little toots and little rascals, <laughs> mini meisters, and yeah, tiny toots. So how many days a week do the, and are we talking like under six years We're old? We're talking kids that aren't in school yet. Okay. Yeah. So preschool age. Preschool age. They're during the day, during the week at Howlson Hill. So it's really convenient, really easy yes. to drop off and pick up. Um, they're short programs because the kids at that age turn into noodles. 
after 45 minutes they just kind of collapse oh that's fun like Mm -hmm. all the bones of their body have disintegrated Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. lying on the ground Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens sometimes having fits um So, okay, so how many days a week do you Those are one-day-a-week programs. One-day-a-week. And week. and mm-hmm. is it weekends? No weekends. Okay. Just during the week. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So you're getting the kids used to being on snow, mm-hmm. putting on the gear, learning how to carry their own skis, that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah, it could be snowboard skis. It could be cross-country skis. It's just an introduction to snow play, enjoying the outside. There's a lot of gear that goes along with winter stuff. You know, you have to wear neck gaiters and goggles and helmets and gloves and just the whole process of getting a kid ready is exhausting. Well, and do you, (laughs) that's true. So, you know, a lot of us parents are like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to empower my kid to tell me what they want to do. But at like age four and five, I mean, is it safe to say you're kind of making these decisions? You're you're making those decisions as a parent because they don't quite know what they want to do. You want to expose them to all kinds of things. Yes, for sure. And can they do more than one in a season? Can you be like, you can do do snowboarding and then you can do skiing or then you can add on cross country skiing. You can do a lot of, and I, that's encouraged for sure. Okay. That's a lot of different sports. That's huge. Okay. So when they're really young, it's a lot easier. So move here when they're young. It's a lot easier. (laughs) It's a lot easier. We are set up more for that as a club than we are for the 11 year old that moves here and is like, I think I want to try alpine ski racing, but I've never skied before. That's a challenge. Yeah. That's a challenge. Okay. Well, and we'll get there. We'll get to that too, because Hey, I know there's some Olympic Olympic athletes who started skiing at 11. Age. Yeah. So and and older. So yeah. so we'll get there. But okay, so after um the preschool age, yes. what like what do you recommend for the next age level? Um so the next age when they're in kindergarten I recommend just like a um one weekend day and one day a week type program. Something after school and then half day on a Saturday or Sunday. And that's usually enough for them. They, you know, if they, some kindergartners can handle after school some, it's just too much. Um, What we've seen in the past, once they're in first grade, they can usually handle a day after school. And um, so it just depends on what their interests are. If it's snowboarding or if it's alpine skiing, um, we add, we encourage a lot of cross-country skiing with the alpine skiing because it adds a whole new element of balance and ankle flexion and foot-to-foot movement. And we've seen the crossover of that. Amazing. Amazing how much the kids get out of that. Yes. And it just helps them be more coordinated. Totally more coordinated. Also, they fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up about I don't know, 50 times each afternoon. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And they're like, these are the skis that are easy to get up on versus alpine skis. So they like it. And the, just the experience of falling down, getting up over and over and over again is huge. Yes, it's huge. Okay. So so say then, I think it's U8 that followed by U10 and U12 yeah. and U14. So generally, and I know there's a little wiggle room here. Yeah. Um, generally a U8 is kids who are six and seven. Correct. 
and um, et cetera. So it goes that way. But you might have an eight-year-old who's newer that you could put in a U8 yes. program. Okay. Yes. yes. So is that when we start to get more options? You get more options at U8 for sure. U6 is just um, alpine and cross-country snowboard if you want to. Um, but U8 is where you can um, explore a little bit more options of how many days a week you might want to do it. Um, it's still half day on Saturdays. Um, it gives them the opportunity to add a cross-country day or do two alpine days um, during, uh, you know, one during the week and one on the weekend. You can add a cross-country in addition to that. So it gives you some more options. And what we really see is when we have snow on the ground, Obviously, it always seems like it's a long time, but ski season truly isn't that long of a time. We want to take advantage of that, yes. you know, and instead of pay- playing maybe um, indoor tennis to actually take advantage of the snow on the ground and, and go ski and then save some of those summertime sports for summertime. So that's kind of our philosophy. So we want to take advantage of the time that we're on snow. Well, and that's, I mean, the, it's incredible how long we get those kids to stay out there. I know it's like, it's not that long, but it is long. I mean, we're on snow from what, mid to late November until early April. Yes. And our programs usually don't run that long. So we give families some time to start and finish with their kids. Yes. (laughs) That's actually, and that's very appreciated. Yeah. Um, One thing, when we moved here, (laughs) um, our daughter Wilder, Uh, We wanted to put her into something and we didn't know what. And a friend said, well, they have this really cool thing they call the Ski Meister, which allows them when they're pretty young still to experience three different kinds of skiing. Right. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of skis we're going to have to uh, rent or buy for this beautiful move to Steamboat. But that's a side note, and that's a side episode. There you go. (laughs) Um, But what was really cool is, of course, we want our child to learn downhill skiing. That's kind of what everybody thinks of. And then we were like, yeah, but we're endurance athletes, and she's got to learn Nordic skiing. So she's going to do cross country, which a lot of people you know, might not even know the difference between classic and skiing skiing. Right. A lot of people don't know that difference. Well, let's talk about that quick. Educate us. Yes. So obviously I'm not the Nordic director, but I do know my difference. Differences. um, So with the U8s, for example, we have um, ski on classic skis, which is the traditional version of cross country where you're going in a often in a track and staying very um, linear. Yes. And um and those skis usually have fish scales on them. Um, if they don't have fish scales, you have to wax with like a kick wax right under the feet so that you get some... A little grip. Oomph. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. that you can go up a hill. Um, so those kids, that's what we start them on, is those classic skis. Once they get to U10, they switch to a skate ski. And um, they just... You can still... You can kind of classic, you can kind of fake classic on, you know, skate skis, not really do the actual traditional. But what we focus on in, in the programs that we do with with the different um, cross-country programs is just movement on skis and yes. and how that movement can apply to alpine skiing. That's what we look at when we're doing our cross-country skiing. If you're really into cross-country skiing and want them to know the actual fundamentals and and the 
basics of both of those disciplines, then I recommend going into the cross-country program because they will do both both disciplines, both skate and classic, and learn proper technique. We use cross-country skis as a way to get movement. I love that. Movement. I love that. Um, I mean, I walked around calling it cross-country skiing for classic and just skating for skate skiing. Yes. And my husband kept going, they're both cross-country they're skiing. They're both cross-country skiing. <laughs> there's classic and there's skate, which is also known as freestyle. Oh. When you go to a competition or you watch the Olympics, it's called freestyle. Oh my gosh. So we don't introduce that. That would be just way too confusing. Okay. So we know that the kids can get into Nordic skiing, which is cross-country skiing. Yes. And in the Ski Meister program I was talking about, there was Alpine, which is downhill, yep. the Nordic, and then they have this thing that we always thought was like crazy and you only ever saw it in the Olympics and we moved to Steamboat and we were like, that looks like a golf course on the mountain. What is that? And it's like the most beautiful green astroturf in the summer and down by, a really, really steep hill. <laughs> by winter, that would be a very hard golf course. Um, by winter, it is the jump hills. The Nordic jumps. Yeah. It's amazing. And so... Um, in the Ski Meister program, when they're really young, they can actually do a sport that's not offered very many places in the world for little kids. Right. And we we start that. So at U8, when they do the little Meister program, they don't jump off the jumps that are with covered with AstroTurf or snow in the winter. They end up, we create these little jumps. And we switched this a couple years ago because they used to jump in alpine skis. And go off the jumps. But talking with Todd Wilson, the the Nordic Combined Director and Special Jumping Director, he said, I'd much rather have the repetition and the ankle flexion of the cross-country skis. And they do it 5,000 times in one night. And it's just a little baby jump. And that's what's developing the love for jumping. It's also developing proper technique, you know, where they can, if they want to, do a tele landing, if they have good enough balance, that is, on those skinny skis. But we we teach it at U8 on cross-country skis. Then with U10, they progress into working on the jumps with their alpine skis, and we transition them into jump skis, which is just another set of equipment for you. Well, of course. Yeah. But it actually... You know, that's part of joining the program. Luckily, we have that. So you don't have to go <laughs> track down your own Nordic jumping skis and boots. We have those wow. and we rent those out. So that's how. Wow. And you mentioned Todd Wilson, by the way. I believe he's a six-time Olympian, is that I correct? can't keep tap of, of I mean, all the Olympians that work here at the Women's I Club. Know, it's I really know. a challenge. Um, <laughs> it's one of our but hardest, he's definitely a, a, maybe not six. I think that was Todd Lodwick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Todd Wilson, um, yeah, has been there more than once. And uh, incredible person. And just watching these directors who occasionally jump in, almost every day, jump in and help coach as well. And just knowing like he's 
these coaches, they have been there, they have lived it, and they love it so much that it's like you said at the beginning, they're doing a job that doesn't even feel like a real job. Yeah. Because they're, they're giving back to their sport, which it is, is amazing. And, and it's so much fun to see these kids break barriers, even if they're just going over a little two-foot oh. bump jump, and then the next day it's two and a half. Right. And they're just so happy and excited. And the the watch of pride on their face when you watch them, them accomplish something they didn't think that they like Palma Trauma Day, which we have rebranded to Palma Adventure Day. But when they get to the top of the Palma, which is an epic Palma at Howlson Hill. It is. When they get to the top and you see that smile on their face, they are so thrilled and proud of themselves. It just brings tears to your eyes. Oh, I. you know what? I didn't know it was called Palma Trauma. I experienced it on my first Palma <laughs> run last year. <laughs> it was amazing. And yes, I will, um, you know, all in all truth, admit that I was dragged by the Palma <laughs> yelling, what do I do? <laughs> and my husband was, and everyone's laughing and my husband's like, let go. <laughs> but like, you do a little, you do a little return skate, you know, ski of shame yeah. and um, everybody applauds and <laughs> you're done and you make it the next time. Um, but I love that Palma adventure day. That is so fun. Mm-hmm. You know, because they need to learn those things and then their confidence mm-hmm. increases. It's a coming of age in Steamboat Springs, learning the house in Hill Palma. <laughs> they can, do it at around six for or, everyone to know. Or 50. I mean. Or 50. But <laughs> if you're from Steamboat, you do it when you're six. <laughs> exactly. You do it when you're and six. And it's just as scary when you're 50 <laughs> learning it. May, if not more, <laughs> maybe more. Um, okay, so by you know by the U10 programs, the kids can still be very diverse. They can try all kinds of things. You can be out on snow for you know three to four days a week, maybe yeah. right? Yeah. And the U10 program is a program that um, we developed several years ago, and we most clubs you'll see will have programs that at that age split into discipline specific. And we felt that we still wanted to give these kids the opportunity to build and refine their base skills, their fundamental skills, and develop those really solidly and then progress on. Okay. And that that's where we differ from a lot of clubs. We, we still are very multi-sport at U10. We do moguls. We do alpine. We do jumping. We do... Um, big mountain. We do everything. And we allow these kids to experience all these different elements. They have a chance to compete if they want to. Um, and so they, they oftentimes will go to a competition. They'll be like, look at that eight-year-old. They're cross-blocking all the way down the course, you know, Alpine course. I'm like, don't worry about that. You'll get there. We don't need to focus on that. So really focus on developing the fundamentals and all those skills will eventually fall into place. I just love that there's this like lifetime master plan. It is. It is absolutely a lifetime master plan. It worked with my kids. It works. You it know? works. It really, you, we've seen it. And I guess being around for 30 years, you, you have a little bit of expertise in what has worked and what hasn't worked. Right. We haven't always been the way we are now. We've experimented with different things and we're like, yeah, that one didn't work very well. 
Well, and we change it up. There's something to be said for allowing yourself to do that experimentation. And that's one thing I think the club is so amazing with is that you really listen and then you go back and you look at your, you look at your information. Right. Absolutely. And, and see where the kids are really thriving. Um, so by the time then that they move into, that they're 10 and 11 years old, they're mm-hmm. in the U-12 programs, that's fourth, fifth, uh, sixth grade maybe, yeah, fifth and sixth. sixth. Um, is that when you start to say, yeah, now you kind of got to pick and choose a little mm-hmm. bit? So where we there are some different options there. And this is where we did make a change this year is we wanted these kids, maybe some of them really only want to be recreational skiers and that is totally fine, but we want them to still be able to develop their skills for a couple more years to really have solid skills that they can then turn into a recreational skier and just, you know, ski for fun or ski with their friends. And so after U10, you either go to U12 competitive, you can go to Devo Free, which is the U13 equivalent in the freestyle free skiing world. And, um, or you can go completely to a different discipline like Nordic combined, special jumping, cross country, snowboard. Um, and a couple more years of development and then once it hit sixth grade, we offer some recreational programs. But I we see. wanted a few more years of them getting a little bit more experience and solidifying those skills before we sent them in a completely recreational path. Doesn't mean that you can't come back. We've had kids that have joined the recreational path and then they've been like, I really enjoy X, Y, or Z and come right back into a competitive version of it. So, Okay, so... Okay, so developing fundamentals is, is it safe to say so that it helps nurture a lifelong love of the sport? Like, and not only that, but that they have a lower chance of getting injured, hurting themselves out there because they know how to do this stuff. I don't even know if it's more injury or if it's more just lifelong love and confident to be able to ski anything on the mountain. Oh, and then that makes it more fun. It makes it more fun. You can go anywhere, any ski resort and know that if you got lost, you're still going to be able to make it down. How intimidating would it be to go someplace and, well, this is how I'm on a bike. I don't want to go on a double black diamond right. on a bike. That right. would scare me. So, you know, it, it's like that with, if you are a confident skier and you have the skills to make it down anything, that. That's perfect. That's where we want you to be. I mean, and the confidence. And you're still in elementary school. You're in elementary <laughs> school. Oh my gosh. The confidence transcends the sport. Yes. The confidence just becomes a base layer for you. And figuratively, <laughs> maybe, yes. maybe in all ways, um, for everything you're going to do in your life. You know, I actually grew up a competitive swimmer. Um, totally different environment. But I have always felt every time I walk into a pool, like I'm home. Yes. And like, I know exactly what to do. You get your goggles and you walk to a lane and you grab a kickboard and you ask the person in there if you can circle swim. I do not have that comfort zone on the mountain. Right. And I want my kid to have Have that that comfort comfort zone. zone on the mountain. Right. 
So anytime she pulls up to a ski resort, she's like, I am home. Yes. <laughs> I've got this. And not even a ski resort. I mean, that's the beauty of what this sport is. You can go out and adventure on yes. your own safely with, you know, some education. Right. All over the place. Yep. Gosh. Yep. Just need to invest in a little bit of gear, but you it's don't just... <laughs> it's just the gear thing. <laughs> okay. So... Can we, is there anything to add from an age perspective? Like, do you recommend kids if they, if they think they want to be competitive or they show promise, mm -hmm. is there an age when you suggest let's really start pushing this competitive piece? You know, I let that often come from them. We, we introduce them to competition in different ways. Maybe it's not, um, timed competition, maybe it's head to head. Competition is inherent in most kits. And it's kind of where competition gets ruined is what the parents do with it. And I think that's an important thing to let your child experience competition. That's okay. You don't need to know the results. They don't even need to know the results. It's a head to head thing or it's a, um, can I beat my own time? It can be against themselves, but I think it's hard when parents see it and they look at where their kid may be placed in a race and say, well, he, he'll never be a ski racer, so we better just shift gears right now. They're nine, so we better go towards, you know, freestyle or soccer or something completely different. And, you know, it's, it's okay. It's amazing to watch these kids progress and, and what they learn. And if they're motivated and have the desire, they'll, they'll achieve the goals they want to achieve. But making sure that you don't enter in your personal opinions during competition, you just let the kids experience it. You know, I've always found that so, so important with goal setting mm -hmm. is that Oftentimes, you'll say, all right, let's write down our goals for the year. And you'll be like, my goal is for my mom to get more active or something. And you're like, that can't be your goal. <laughs> That's not your goal. That needs That's to her be goal. Yeah. her goal if she wants it to be right. her goal. And so around this a slightly, you know, a little more advanced age where they're, they're able to understand what that means, it's time to empower them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, and they, some kids will shy away from competition because they get that weird feeling in their stomach and just reassuring them that that's normal. That's what you want. That's what pushes you down the hill faster, you know, and, and helping them understand that that's all part of it, you know, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to do a whole nother episode on um, nerves and how to, how to, how to deal how to with kick them. those. I know, cause it's a really important thing for us to experience in our lives. It helps us feel alive. It, it really does. And it, it's not a bad thing. No, it shows us that we care and, and it gets some of the physical adrenaline rolling, but it can be really tough. It can be tough. So I understand that too. I do. Um, well, let's, let's do a little bit of more of like a rapid fire with a bunch of questions. Here. Okay. Okay. So let's do some differences. We already talked about the difference between Nordic, which is cross country yep. and Alpine, which is downhill. Yep. Um, what's the difference between free ski and freestyle? Freestyles, moguls. 
free ski is big mountain park and pipe. Okay, what does that mean for the average person? So freestyle is the mogul skiing where they have the two jumps and the the bumps. The bumps. The bumps and jumps. Free ski, more on the um, relatively newer side of things, but very popular, is Big Mountain where they like to jump off cliffs. And um, we have a Big Mountain program. The slope style, which is in... Um, train parks where they're going off jumps and rails and then there's the half pipe okay and a lot most people are familiar with some of those just from watching the olympics, olympics and some whatever, of the yeah. world cups x games um yes the x games um so what's the difference between say ski jumping and jumping off ramps and doing flips so ski both are um obviously in the air, but the ski jump and the mogul jump and the train park jump are all three very different jumps. Um, the ski jump, just the way they're built. You know, the, the mogul jump has a very much a kicker. The Nordic jump has very um, set dimensions of how it, and, and truly, if you look at that jump, you're not you're not you're going straight forward and then you fall along with the hill. So you're never really off the ground more than uh, 10 or 15 feet, you know, you're just kind of falling as the hill falls, flying in the air as the hill falls. And then the train park jumps can be various sizes, some very terrifyingly huge. Um <laughs> But they're not going to kick you up as much. They're going to send you high, but also far. So each one is very different in um, how they're constructed. Okay, got it. Um, Okay, another question. Say your kid is older. We mentioned this earlier. Say they moved to town or want to join the program for the first time and they're like 14. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I want to get started, but I don't really want to ski with six-year-olds. Right. So how does that work? So if you've never, ever, ever skied before, recommend the ski area has a program called Trail Busters. It's a great program. It allows all different ages at all ability levels. And that is what it's there for. You know, it's for those kids that have not experienced skiing, they're older in age group, absolutely go to Trail Busters. Get those fundamentals down. If they want to continue, they can come back to us. We just are not set up for all age groups, all ability levels. We just couldn't handle that. So that's what I recommend for that age. That makes total sense. And I mean, even before you do that, you could get a private lesson or two. You absolutely could. Yep. Um, And that applies to 50-year-olds like me. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about what if your kid is passionate about snowboarding and skiing? They can do both. It's a it can be a challenge. So what I recommend, um, I think the hardest thing that we see is when they do two disciplines like that, that are not necessarily scheduled to work together. They either miss out on a day of skiing or miss out on a day of snowboarding. And then what happens usually over the course of a season is they're excelling, but at a much slower rate. And maybe 
they will naturally gravitate at that point. And and oftentimes they will. They'll gravitate to which one is more enjoyable or which one they're excelling at more. And uh, so that I would try to align something if you're interested in both. You know, potentially you do skiing um, on Saturdays with the club and then you do trail buster snowboarding on Sundays. You know, where because if skiing and the snowboarding crossover both on Saturdays, you're missing out on a really long amount of time that you could be developing. Well, and you mentioned Trail Busters, which is not part of Winter Sports Club, but your friends. It's not like you're looking at this as a competitive, Absolutely. you know, program environment. And that is run out of the Steamboat Resort, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, this is a funny side story. A friend of mine once said, yeah, you know, you should learn snowboarding and skiing because then you could go out, your kids should learn this, because then they can go out snowboarding with their snowboard friends and skiing with their (laughs) ski friends. But then what I've noticed since I've started skiing the last few years is that it Everyone skis together. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't You're matter. Both in a gravity-fed sport, it's all good. You can actually, you know, co-mingle. You can. <laughs> co-mingling <laughs> is encouraged. Okay, so um, I actually want to do just a little background, too, on why a place like Howelson Hill that was featured in the latest Warren Miller film, yes. by the way, which was phenomenal why it's such a special place for our kids to learn this stuff you know Halson is one of the oldest ski areas in the um in the u.s and it's the cool thing about Halson is it's lit so it can be you can ski it at night it's just another after school program for these kids the palma lift that we spoke of earlier is unique in that it gives a very fast turnaround. So kids get a lot of laps when they're here. And that is so beneficial. And it has all sports. We have moguls. We have alpine. We have Nordic jumping. We have snowboard. We have a terrain park. We have cross-country trails. All within the middle of Steamboat Springs. Within a five-minute drive from anywhere. And that makes Halson so special because most places don't aren't able to house all of that under one umbrella. You're right. You know, it's funny. Friends come into town. I'm like, well, you know, there's two ski resorts here. And then I'm like, well, I don't know if Halson's an actual <laughs> resort, but it just feels so comfortable. Like on the days that Wilder is not doing uh, structured practice. Yeah. Um, I'm totally comfortable leaving my then nine, now 10-year-old here alone with friends. Yep. Because she can't get lost. It's so small, and it feels like a family. When my kids were little, um, the term, because there are a lot of kids that of the people that I worked with that were around the same age, and we, we, we termed them um, Halston Hill orphans. We just made sure that the lift-ops knew who they were, and they knew who the patrol was, and... They would be outside, <laughs> and Halston Hill was their daycare. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So um, I think we should maybe wrap with some of the most common questions that I know you get. Uh-huh. So I'm going to ask some of these, and let's hear how you do. Okay. My kid is a really good skier. Can he or she ski up? So skiing up is something like moving up an age group. and 
when I talk to these parents, I often tell them that with U.S. ski and snowboard, there are age cutoffs for different age groups, and you are going to get stuck somewhere along the way. It might be at U14, it might be at FIS, you will get stuck. And the older they get, when they're with the wrong age group, the more difficult it is to keep them with their own peers. If they've skied up for four years to then be stuck with the quote-unquote little kids, even though they're their peers, seems like punishment. So we... I advocate very strongly to keep them with their age-specific programs. If we cannot provide them enough challenge, we will move them up. But that's pretty rare that we see that. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And it really, it really is important. You know, you have these kids that become three years in one program instead of two. And by the third year, they're like, really, do I have to stay here? So it just, it, it's a hindrance to the kids. And some, some parents get it when I explain it that way. Some are like, yeah, but all his friends. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter when he's 15, all his friends are going to be in fists and he won't be able to go there. So figuring that out early on is going to be the best bet. And we always look at long-term. We're not looking at short-term fixes. We're looking at the long-term athlete development. We're looking at what's best practice for kids all the way through. That's true. And I think the fear from parents is that their kids won't excel as much as they could if they were pushed more. What do you say about that? Mm. I think you'll be surprised at how much they can excel. Um, we give them challenges constantly. And it might not be, I mean, I think the one thing that I'll, I always used to email parents, I'm like, just so you know, and this is in like U6 and U8, I'm like, you might take them down black runs. We will not be taking them down black runs. We are working on creating speed, not shirking speed. And, and that's our goal. We want that movement and that creation of speed and not the defensive skiing of in a huge wedge. And so we will limit their terrain a huge amount and not pull them on cat, cat tracks. We will make them learn how to skate. And that's huge. It's a huge skill. And you see so many parents that are like, you know, you see the kids who, when they come to the program and some parents will be like, oh gosh, that's me. Um, that the kids are really good little skiers, but they can't skate at all. So they've been pulled along every cat track. Let them, let them skate. Just slow down and skate with them. It's all, it's okay. And I think you'll find that we'll be able to find ways to challenge them regardless of their ability level. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. Here's another one. Okay. My U-tenor doesn't want to ski three days a week. She's only eight. Yeah, we get that one too. Um, I think a lot of that has to do, um, we go back to it's winter and our focus is to be best practice for winter programs. And I understand that summer and dance and, and, and soccer and swimming and what can they maybe relinquish for the winter so they can focus on skiing in the winter. And that's kind of our best practice. We moved from two days to three days because just that added day, an hour and 45 minutes 
the improvement was exponential in that hour and 45 minutes of extra. And we said, why are we not doing this? We are best practice for skiing. Why are we not doing this and giving these kids the best chance they can be to develop these great fundamental skills. Well, I love this too, because at eight years old, it's, you know, it's a push to say your kids should be doing the same sport year round anyway. Right. So if you're trying to keep their soccer going or their, you know, whatever it is, give them a little break. (laughs) Give them a break. And absolutely. Like my kids, for example, when Jet was probably in sixth grade, he he wrote on a sheet of paper that he was going to be at the Olympics in three sports. He was going to be a mountain biker, a soccer player, and an alpine skier. And I'm, I'm like, I love that. Perfect. That's great. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Let's you make just, it happen. <laughs> you just do that. He figured out eventually that maybe that wasn't possible, but maybe not till he was 18. So, but wow. yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, it's a beautiful thing to yes. have all those different sports. It's great for their friendship circles. Yes. It changes, which is huge for them. It's great for their movement and their body awareness. They're not doing the same sport. They're getting different movements. It's so important. So important. I love it. Okay, here's another one. Um, my child just wants to race. Why doesn't the club have a race-only program for eight-year-olds? This is the opposite person. Yes, I and, and <laughs> we get that too. Um, and what I kind of covered this before in that developing broad skills is more important than focusing on one aspect of skiing because those broad skills will come into play eventually. And then there'll be a gap in their ability, but at a time where it's not as great when they're 16 or 17 years old, when they can't skate out of the start gate or they can't, um, you know, work in detrimental conditions, inclement conditions, stuff like that. So having that broad base has always been really important. And so we don't focus on just one aspect. Okay, well, then to tag on to that, I know you've gotten this one. Mm-hmm. My child has no interest in racing. Why does he have to train in gates? And what I say with U10s is gates are just an object on the hill at that age. We're not training racing. We are giving them specific places that they need to turn. And that is just helping build their skills. It's not building their racing I can guarantee you that we're not focused on time. We're focused on how they're turning, how they're actually experiencing, taking them into train that is um, undulating and um, different to work on absorption and work on um, tighter courses, shorter courses, bigger turns, littler turns. All those things are just going to add to their ability If you look at freestyle mogul skiers, they often will train in some brushies. Same thing. It's just important. It's just a tool of the trade. It's like um, cones in a soccer field. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Look at it that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know we've hit on this. I don't even know if we need to answer it again, but why do you recommend cross-country skiing in addition to alpine? Oh, I love watching these kids on cross-country skis, and it's so valuable for their – they learn how to glide. They learn how to foot-to-foot. They learn how to flex their ankle, which is so important. Um, they get some good um, cardio out of it as well. And and it's just a – if you 
presented as not a long slog and just a fun thing, it's super playful and they learn a whole different enjoyment. They come back with huge smiles on their faces because it's very playful. It's easy to maneuver. It's easy to get up, but the benefits they get from those skinny little skis are so huge. You can't get that anywhere else. And then jumping has been really cool to watch these kids Nordic jump. They're comfortable in the air. They're comfortable going fast in a straight area. Watching these kids transfer that into downhill or super G is phenomenal. Like our kids have such an advantage because even the Alpine racers older use the Nordic jumps to get over fears. And so conquering those fears and being comfortable in the air is, is important for that sport. Oh my gosh. I love it. I wish I grew up here. I know me too. I'm so mad I didn't grow up here. Okay, but we we gave our kids that gift. We give we gave our kids a okay. gift. Okay, um, you mentioned. I I think this is a really good way to kind of wrap this is talk a little more about the recreational side because we've talked a lot mm-hmm. about the competitive side and that's a big thing of uh, you know what the club does. But really, you're focused on just instilling this love for the outdoors. So. At about U12, U14, there's more recreational options. And I I even saw some It's a Girl Thing programs for, you know, girls in that middle school age are just, you know, they're facing different things as well. So can you talk a little bit about what makes those programs special? So I think there's still a lot of kids that don't want to go down that competitive path, but they really love being part of the club. And... um. And creating the RAD program this year, which was um, the recreational all-mountain program that replaced AMP for that age group, and then the AMP program for the high school kids. So the RAD program just provides this fun ski club camaraderie, and that's what these kids want. Yeah, they'll get a little bit of technique sprinkled in, but the focus is being good mountain citizens. And being great with etiquette. And then once they get into high school and there is the AMP program that has been around for a while, we are dabbling in other aspects like adding in some avalanche awareness because these kids, we know once they leave us, they will go to the backcountry and making sure that they are safe and have the skills to navigate the backcountry or taking them to... um other icon pass areas where they can ski still with their same icon pass, but they get the experience of traveling. You know, in the Midwest, we were on a ski bus every Saturday and we would go to different areas and that was so fun. So much fun. And I mean, the icon passes, uh, it has resorts around the world. Uh, Yeah, we could take them over to Kitzbühel. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, I'll go. <laughs> you should. I'm coming too. I might have to interview a few people. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, one thing that really just hit me is that this is called the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club. It's not the winter sports team. Granted, we take teams of kids to competitions and things like that, but... I think there is an intentional use of the word club versus team. And when you said kids may not be competitive, but they want to be part of a club, a sports club, that just felt so inclusive to me. Yeah. And I think it really is. I mean, we have so many kids. 
are so proud to wear the Winter Sports Club jacket, you know, and I think that's important. And, you know, we also have junior coach programs at these kids. That'll be a whole nother day that we'll talk about junior coach programs. Oh gosh, yeah, junior coaches. You know, coaches. And, and just how proud they are and what they've learned, you know, through their years of the club. They're, they might not want to be competitive athletes anymore, but they want a junior coach and they're paired with a senior coach and help coach. And they, they learn a whole different skill set by doing that. And it's wonderful. And we have our competitive athletes help with our community programs. And that's great too, because it gives them invaluable experience that you will never get when you just train or even when you compete. But giving back your knowledge and skiing with kids that have never skied before, you can't replace that experience. So valuable. You know, part of the mission is to create champions on and off the mountain. And uh, I think we're doing that. I do too. It, it really, I think that's for sure. That's my goal is making sure that, yeah, maybe they excel in a, excel in a sport, whatever it is, but really creating good human beings is really the goal that we have. And, and however that might be, it might be, a top elite athlete, or it could be someone that conquered their fear of giving up the Palma, or it could be a junior coach deciding that she wants to continue in coaching. Oh, so many options. So Blair, this has been incredible. I think we helped, hopefully are helping some of our listeners figure out what the heck to do this year um, and in future years with their kids, because that's all we want is to help our kids have a beautiful and happy yes. life. Um, but before we go, I want to ask you the question that we are posing to every guest on the show. And that is, what's the greatest lesson you've personally learned through sport? Mm, that's deep. I think probably what I've learned, I've learned a couple things. One is the love of outdoors, but two is really how to succeed and how to fail with humility. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned through sport is learning how to win and to lose but st still being humble and gracious. Wow. Well, you are, you are coming full circle and giving it all back. So thank you so much, Blair. And I thank your parents for taking you to the Boundary Waters when you were 10 years yeah. old and giving you this adventure mindset, opening your mind to what could be. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Steamboat Springs Winter Sports Club show. Check out our winter and summer programs at sswsc.org. If you have a special topic or guest you want featured, we'd love to hear from you. Now get out there and support, lead, or be a champion on or off the mountain.